Welcome everyone to Dafyomi one week at a time, Masachat uh, Ta'anit. This is our fourth lesson, and today we are going to review Daf 19 through 25. Um, so we actually have a lot of stories today, and uh, I'm going to try to summarize them uh, as quickly as possible. Uh, but I just wanted to start with with an idea. Uh, again, these slides are from uh, Dafa Chaim, so I thank him very much. Um, this chapter in we're actually going to learn an entire chapter today, and this chapter is actually called Pirka de Chasida, which means it's the chapter of the pious people, um, because we're going to see that there are many stories uh, in this chapter about. Uh, famous, pious people, and uh, actually very miraculous events that happened in their lives. Um, most of them having to do with the rain, but not all of them. Uh, and that is basically going to be our theme uh, for this uh, this shiur, for this class. Um, so uh, we're actually going to start at the bottom of Daf 18, at the, the Mishnah, uh, at the beginning of the chapter. Uh, and the Mishnah tells us, that um, if the rain didn't fall at all, remember last week we talked about the different dates uh, that it needs to rain by, and if not, we start um, with the fasts. So the Mishnah tells us that if the rain didn't fall at all, that's when we fast these three sets of fasts that we've discussed um, last week. Um, if plants, uh, and now the Mishnah is going to continue and tell us that if there are other reasons that we can impose a fast on people, not only because of rain, um, but if the plants, let's say, start to grow abnormally, so then we start to fast immediately. Uh, or if rain stopped for 40 days in between, like the first and the second rain, uh, then again, we fast right away um, because we're afraid that it's going to lead to a shortage of food. Um, if the rain didn't fall for the fruit trees or to fill up the water cisterns, or if it didn't even rain for one city, uh, then again, we're going to, to fast right away. Uh, we're now at the top of DAF 19, and it tells us that a city, um, let's say they were fasting and they, they cry out, um, then all the surrounding cities fast as well, right? Because again, the idea is that um, these issues affect an area. So even though it could be that one city is suffering, um, the Mishnah tells us that every city in that area is going to participate in the praying and the fasting for the area as well. Um, the same thing is if other things happen. So what if the wind knocks down the walls of the city, or if there is a pestilence, um, or there's a, a plague, uh, and the Gemara goes through what does that mean, um, what does it mean a plague, and it actually tells us that if three people die uh, one day after another, then that's considered a plague. Uh, what if there is a famine, locusts, wild animals, invaders, right, all of these things um, will in, in will make the, the sages, the rabbis of the time, uh, decree a fast uh, and a time for prayer, because again, um, we can understand that this is serious and will affect um, the cities around the area. Um, the Mishnah tells us that you can cry out on Shabbat, right, if Gentiles are surrounding the city, or if the city is flooded, or if you're on like a storm-tossed ship, um, or you can cry out for help, um, but maybe not praying for help, right? Again, we have discussed this before, the idea that on Shabbat, uh, we're not going to um, cry out in prayer, or um, maybe we're going to um, cry out, but not uh, or maybe, uh, or not have specific prayers, or even if there's a, a plague, right, Dever, if there's a plague in the area, then this will happen as well. Um, the Mishnah here uh, is going to talk about Choni um, HaMagel, 
we are going to get a more detailed story later on, um, but I think I, I put in the notes uh, for the story here. So we're going to discuss the story here. Um, Choni Hamagel is, his name is Choni. Hamagel means that uh, there are a few different explanations, but one is that made a circle. Uh, we'll see what that means in a minute. Um, <clears throat> or it can mean someone who um, flattens the roofs. Like that was his uh, profession. But what's the story of Choni? Um, he had a, a very special relationship with God, we're going to see in a minute. Uh, and therefore, the people of the town came to him and said, listen, Choni, we need you to pray for us for rain. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, we need rain. Please pray for us that it should rain. Uh, and uh, he actually prays for rain. And he says to God, um, and he actually draws a circle around himself, and he says, um, I'm not leaving this circle until you send rain down, right? It sounds a little bit like a petulant child, right? I'm not moving till you give me what I want. Um, also, the word in the Mishnah is ag-uga, which means, again, uga, not in the sense of a cake in Hebrew, but in Aramaic means he drew a circle, and that's where the ma'agel comes from, right? He, draw, he draws this circle, and he says, I'm not moving till you, um, <clears throat> till you make it rain. Um, and it's, the Mishnah describes that it starts to rain very gently, and Choni yells up to God, and he says, that's not enough rain. I asked for real rain. Um, and then it becomes stormy. And Choni yells up again, and he says, that's not what I wanted, right? I don't want it, uh, I don't want a storm. I want nice, good rain. Uh, and then it rains normally, and it rains so much that the people actually begged him to pray for it to stop raining. Apparently, it was starting to flood the area. Uh, and Choni said, okay, now that's it. Uh, I, I will pray to make it rain. I'm not praying to make it stop rain, and we'll we'll talk a little bit more about that in a little bit. Um, and they say, and and that's uh, one end to the story. Uh, they say that Choni was beloved by God, and that's why God listened to him, um, and that's why he could speak in the way that he spoke. Right? The rabbis actually said they wanted to. Um, um, what's called put him in cherem, right? They wanted to kind of punish him because of the way he spoke to God. It seems very disrespectful. And the Gemara says, no, right? Choni has a special relationship with God. He can speak that way. And uh, he did what he needed to do. Um, the Gemara continues on Daf 19 and tells us that um, if you're fasting and it starts to rain, if it starts to rain before dawn, then you don't have to finish your fast. Um, but if it starts after dawn, then you do have to fast. And the Gemara later on is going to explain what this means. Okay, that was the Mishnah. The Gemara now tells us um, that you, you only have the set of three fasts if it didn't rain till right, the dates that we discussed last week. Remember, we set aside, uh, we, we enumerated the different dates that it's supposed to fast, and if it doesn't fast, that's when we start the, the, set, the three sets of fasts. Um, what if um, produce uh, grew, but then it dried up? So the Gemara says you don't fast for that because really there's nothing to do, right? We're not asking for rain. If, if your, your produce um, or your crops dry out, if it rains, it doesn't make it better. Uh, and therefore, there's nothing really that you can do. Uh, here the Gemara talks about the difference between a food shortage and a famine, right? Food shortage means that you can get food from one city to another. Famine means I actually have to import the food from another country, right? And again, um, the more severe uh, the food shortage is, is slash famine, uh, that is going to determine whether or not uh, there is going to be instituted a, a fast uh, or a set of fast for that area. Um, the Gemara describes how it could be good for one crop and not for another, right? Meaning that there's, it could rain in one area and not another. Um, and we said, if there's no water to drink, again, to remind us ourselves, in Israel, um, the water, even drinking water, 
comes from rainfall, which means that if it's not raining enough, there could actually be a situation where there's not enough drinking water, uh, and therefore you fast right away. Um, and um, and again, as I mentioned in the Mishnah, only in areas that are suffering need to fast or the areas around. Um, and the year, uh, the, the Gemara describes years that the rain falls on time. There are years that it doesn't fall on time. Um, a little rain versus a lot of rain. Um, and now we, we're going to start our journey on the stories in Masachet Ta'anit. So um, the Gemara tells us at the bottom of Daf 19 that many people came to Jerusalem for Aliyah Regel as a pilgrimage to Jerusalem, and there wasn't enough water. Uh, so they approached Nakdimon Ben Gurion, um, and uh, they asked him to come up with some solution. So he borrowed 12 cisterns of water from a Roman nobleman. Uh, and he said, I'll, I'll pay you back 12 um, talons of silver, uh, a kikar, I guess, um, right, uh, bars of silver. And if he said, if I can't, uh, basically, I'll return the water to you. And if I can't return the water, then I'll pay you with silver uh, by a certain amount of time, right? So the assumption was, give us the water now. Hopefully, it'll rain. And when it rains, I'll pay you back the water that I owe you. Uh, it seems that the rain didn't fall by the day uh, that he said he was going to pay him back. Um, and now, again, right, you generally you stipulate the day, right? So you say uh, you need to give it back by the 2nd of Tevet, right? The 2nd of Tevet comes along, um, and now it's noon, and there's no water. Um, and the Roman says, um, the Roman says to, the, to Nakdimon, okay, pay me back the money because you don't have the water. And Nakdimon says, wait a minute, it's only 12 o'clock. I have the rest of the day. So, you know, let's see. Um, this happens three times throughout the day, right? And basically the Roman is kind of sitting and watching the end of the day. Uh, we're now on dock 20 at the top. Um, and then in the afternoon uh, before sunset, uh, the Roman is very happy when he goes to the bathhouse in the afternoon because he realizes that he's going to actually get all this money at the end of the day. Um, and uh, it, it's very uh, dramatic because the Gemara discusses uh, Nakdimon uh, entering the study hall, the Beit Midrash, to pray while the Roman uh, nobleman is entering the bathhouse. Right, uh, the the Roman uh, nobleman is very happy because he's about to get money. Nakdimon is very serious and uh, concerned about what's going to be. Um, and basically, uh, Nakdimon prays uh, to God, and the sky opens. Again, this is really the end of the day. The sky opens, and it fill and it rains so much, so quickly that all the cisterns uh, were filled within a number of uh, I don't know if it's an hour or a few minutes, um, and it was so much water that Nakdimon wanted to charge the Roman, right, I paid you with more water, so now give me money, and then that was already too much, um, and uh, there was no way the Roman was going to pay him. So uh, this is going to start us off, again, Choni really started us off, uh, but this is going to start us off on many stories that we're going to learn tonight about um, miraculous events that have to do with water. Um, but first, uh, let's talk about the sun. So the Gemara on Daf 20 tells us that there for three people, God made the sun stay in its place in the sky, right? Nakdimon for the one uh, who we just mentioned. And here, interestingly, I, I was thinking about it in terms of it rains so much quickly, uh, so quickly. The other option is God made kind of time st stand still so that it could rain enough to fill all the cisterns uh, or uh, the issue of right clouds versus the sun uh, Yehoshua right is the famous story of Yehoshua making uh, the sun uh, stay in its place so he can finish off a battle uh, and Moshe um, Moshe, it seems that we don't really know of a story where Moshe made the sun stay in its place, um, but the Gemara learns it from similar language from Yoshua, from Joshua to Moshe. Um, 
Okay, uh, the next idea the, uh, the Gemara says on, on DAF 20 is the comparison between a reed and a cedar, which is really funny because, not funny, but uh, at the end of today's class, we're going to talk about uh, how righteous people are like a cedar. But right now we're going to talk about how it's better to be a reed, right? Again, a tiny, thin reed as opposed to a cedar. Why? Um, the Gemara tells us that reeds are very positive. Um, why? Because they sway in the wind, right? They're very flexible. They're very... Um, 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 yeah, flexible <laughs> in the sense that, um, right, a cedar is very tall and very strong, um, but it can break, right? It can be, thank you, adaptive. That was very good. Thank you, Zohar. Um, so um, the, the cedar can be uprooted. It can break. Uh, and the Gemara says it's better to be a reed. Uh, and because of this, exactly, uh, adaptivity, because of this um, uh, flexibility, uh, and the Gemara takes it a step further and says, right, we, we write a, uh, a Torah scroll, right, the, the Sefer Torah with a reed, right? We make a, we make a, um, a kulmus, we say in, in Hebrew, right? We make a, a, an ink pen, a quill was the word I was looking for, um, out of a reed. Um, and it's better to be soft and flexible than to be uh, strong and uh, maybe uh, inflexible. Um, the Gemara continues and gives us uh, some stories. Uh, Rabbi El Elazar, the son of Rabbi Shimon, was walking along and feeling very good about himself and all the Torah that he had learned. Uh, and he saw a person and he said to that person, um, um, wow, you're really ugly, which is not a nice thing to say. Um, and the person says to him very uh, sharply, uh, yeah, if you have uh, issues with how I look, you should argue or tell the person that made me, right? Go tell God and complain to God that I'm ugly. Uh, and he realized his mistake, uh, Rabbi Elazar, and he apologized, and the man did not accept it. Um, and he gets into uh, the town and the city folk tell the man to forgive him. Uh, and immediately, uh, Rabbi Elazar taught that right, a person should always be flexible like a reed, right? Meaning on one hand, uh, first of all, don't insult other people. Uh, on the other hand, be uh, open for forgiveness, right? So that was the connection between uh, the previous statement. Um, Okay, uh, the Gemara can tells us, continues and tells us about the merits of Rav Ada Bar Ava and how he saved people from a shaky wall. Uh, and he didn't like that people used his merits. Somehow people knew uh, that he had a lot of merits and therefore wanted to rely on him. This is going to be another theme, right? We talked about um, pious people and miracles that occur because of them. Uh, here's the flip side of that coin, which is don't rely on miracles, right? So here uh, he says, right, don't use my, my merits because you shouldn't rely on miracles um, because, again, it takes away from your merits, right? Yaakov says, katonti mikola chasadim, very famous song. You should look it up. Katonti. Uh, um, is, a, is, is a really beautiful song. Um, but what does Yaakov say? Um, I'm concerned that I've used up all of my merits uh, and therefore I've run out of, you know, favors that God can do for me, right? And I'm humbled, right? Katonti means katan, I'm small. I'm humbled by this experience. Um, the Gemara says, why did Rav Ada Bar Ava live so long? Um, because he never got angry, number one. Uh, he never walked in front of a great person. Again, he showed humility. Uh, he never thought about um, Torah in dirty places. Again, uh, he was very careful about his learning. Um, he never walked without thinking about Torah, again, in proper places or without his tefillin. Um, he never slept in the, in the study hall in the Beit Midrash. Um, he never rejoiced when friends messed up. Right? He was very sensitive to other people, um, and he never uh, called a friend by a nickname. Like He was very proper in terms of how he referred to other people. Um, 
the, the Gemara continues at the bottom of 20 uh, about the good deeds of Rav Huna. Uh, Rav Huna, in his old age, uh, they actually took him out in a gold carriage and he went out to the city to check if the walls were dangerous. And if he saw that there was something uh, unstable about the walls, he would pay from his own money to fix them uh, if the person couldn't afford to fix the walls. Um, every Friday, he would buy all the leftover produce and then throw them in the river. The question is, why would you do that? Um, the Gemara explains he wanted to make sure um, First of all, he wanted to make to give money to all the farmers uh, so that they would uh, make sure to bring a produce every week. Uh, and he didn't want the poor people to rely on him too heavily. Um, the Gemara continues and tells us that um, when he had leftover medicine, he would leave it outside for people to come and take. Uh, this is actually right. The first we actually have this in our neighborhood. It's called a gmach for medicine, right? A, uh, I don't know how to say gmach, a, a um, I guess a charity for medicine, right? If you have any uh, leftover medicine, then you can, or if you need medicine, you can go to this person who will, uh, again, uh, help you in terms of uh, getting the medicine that you need when you need it. So uh, we see that it actually, interestingly enough, comes from Rav Huna. Uh, the other, the last thing it says that he did was he would announce whenever he sat down to eat, anybody who wants to eat, come on over, I'll give you some food, um, which is actually something that we say on Pesach, right? In the Haggadah, we, we say anybody who, um, anybody who is hungry, please come and, uh, and join us. Uh, we're now at the top of Daf 21. Um, and uh, on Daf 21, uh, the Gemara is going to talk about Ilfa and Rabbi Yochanan. Uh, and they went to work um, because they couldn't support themselves uh, and they couldn't learn Torah at the same time. So they decide that they're going to go and work. Uh, and once when they were sitting by an unstable wall, they overheard two angels speaking. Uh, and, and, and they hear... Um, the angel saying, let's push the wall onto them because they're wasting their time working, right? They're not uh, focusing on their Torah learning uh, and therefore let's, let's uh, knock the wall onto them. And then the other one says, no, 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 we can't do that because one of these men is going to be a great scholar. Now, it seems that Rabbi Yochanan was the one who heard this conversation, uh, and Ilfa didn't. Uh, and then he assumes that since he heard it, he is going to be the great Torah scholar. So he decides to go back to learning Torah. Um, and the truth is that um, he does become the leader of the, the study hall. He becomes the Rosh Yeshiva. Ilfa actually goes back to learning, um, and it seems uh, that they tell him, wow, Ilfa, if you would have continued learning, you would have been the leader of the, the, the yeshiva, right? You would have been the Rosh Yeshiva. Um, he feels very guilty about it, um, but on the other hand, he feels very comfortable, uh, or I should say very secure in his Torah learning. And therefore, and it's important for me to, to point this out, when you read the story on Daf 21, it seems like he he's trying to commit suicide. It says that he ties himself to the mast of a ship, or it, the words seem to imply that he drowns himself. That is not the case. Um, he basically says, um, I'm going to stay at the, the top of this ship uh, and I will, right, I will drown myself or I'll jump if I can't answer anybody's question. Uh, and, and the Gemara says, somebody asks a question and he's able to answer it. So uh, it's important. It's not so clear at the end of the story what happens, but uh, definitely the commentators uh, do not imply that he kills himself, meaning he continues on his way and he proves that even though he's not the Rosh Yeshiva, even though he's not the leader, uh, he is still very knowledgeable in his uh, Torah knowledge. Um, the next story is uh, another famous character, uh, which is Nahum Ish Gamzu. 
uh, and we'll see what that means uh, and why he's called that. Um, and Nahum Ish Gamzu was actually blind. He didn't have hands or feet. Uh, he was covered in boils, uh, and he lied. He um, he was in a he lived in a dilapidated house. Uh, very terrible, terrible situation. And the Gemara actually tells us uh, that he brought this upon himself. What does that mean? He told his students, uh, first of all, he tells his students to take out all his things from the house and then to take him out because his merit is holding up the house. Um, and uh, they said that he was a completely righteous person, what we in Hebrew is called a Sadiq Gamur. Why? And he explains to them that he actually caused this misfortune to himself. Um, he actually used to be very rich, uh, and a poor person asked for charity, and um, he was riding uh, on, the, on a journey, and the poor person asked for money, and he actually delays the person. Like he, he says, wait one minute, I'll give it to you in a minute. Let me get off the donkey. Um, but by the time he got off the donkey, the person died. Uh, and he said to him, right, he basically curses himself. And he says, um, right, the, you know, the hands that didn't give charity should be cut off. And the eyes that didn't have mercy should be blinded and he goes through each thing and he curses himself and he ultimately says that he's happy with his suffering in this world uh, because he realizes if he suffers in this world he will not suffer in the next world and again this is uh, another theme that we have seen in the past in the Gemara uh, and now we're going to see um, um, where uh, another story about Nahum Ish Gamzu comes from, but his name uh, is really uh, from the idea of Gamzu Litova, which means this is also, or this is for the good, and that seems to have been his motto. So here's the story. Um, the story, um, okay, uh, the story is that um, the Jewish people sent gifts to the, the Caesar uh, in Rome, and they sent it with Nahum Ish Gamzu, and at night he slept in an inn, and the people in the inn actually stole all the gold that was in the chest, and they filled it with dirt. Uh, he didn't know, right? And uh, when, uh, when he got, or maybe he did know, we'll see, um, but when he gets to the Caesar uh, and Caesar opens it up and all he sees is dirt, he wants to kill all the Jews. And Nahum says, no, 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 gamzulitova, right? This is also good. You'd think, well, how is this good? This is crazy, right? But he says, no, 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 it's all going to work out, right? He has faith and that's that's really the the motto of, or, or I would say, he, he to summarize his life was he thought everything is for for good or has a purpose, um, and it seems that Eliyahu uh, Elijah dresses up as a guard and tells Caesar that this is actually special dirt, right? That he meant to give it to him. Why? This dirt comes from Abraham and um, Abraham used this special dirt and he used to throw it at his enemies. And when he would throw it at his enemies, it would turn into swords and arrows and that would win uh, any battle that, uh, that, he, uh, that he fought. Uh, and it, and they actually tried it, and it works, right? Again, miraculously. So the Caesar sends back a fortune uh, and brings honor uh, to Nahum Ish Gamzu. Um, interestingly enough, um, the he stays in the inn on the way back. You might ask why. Uh, the only thing I could think of is that's the only inn in town. Um, and uh, he tells the robbers, you know, you should just know you tried to mess me up, but uh, that dirt that you gave me, look what it, what, look what I got back in return. So they actually, uh, the robbers try to to pull like a switch on the Caesar as well. So they put some dirt in a in a box. And they bring it to the Caesar and they're like, ah, yeah, we also brought you dirt, thinking that uh, he's going to reward them as well. But, of course, that dirt was not miraculous and the Caesar actually kills those people. Um, 
Okay. Um, from here, the the Gemara continues and talks about what kind of plague would um, would make it for this the city to fast. Um, and then the Gemara continues and talks about um, the fact that it's a person who honors the place that he lives in and not the opposite, not the other way around, right? It's not the place that gives honor to a person, rather the person gives honor to the place. And the example is Har Sinai, right? Sinai, because it became sanctified when uh, when the, the Torah was given on it, but when it left, it doesn't have any sanctity. Uh, the same thing with the Mishkan, the tabernacle in the desert, right? When it was there, that place becomes holy. When it leaves, uh, so then uh, not so much. Um, the Gemara continues and talks about a city that was spared from death because of um, the merits of Rav, um, but uh, ah, not sorry, not because of the merits of Rav. Again, interestingly, here uh, we talked about miraculous things happening for great people. Um, here, the Gemara is actually uh, teaching something else, which is um, great things happen actually to not always the greatest people, but the the small humble person who does good deeds or small good deeds. Um, so here it says that. Um, this city was saved um, because of a person who used to lend his digging tools for burials, right? And that small act of kindness saved an entire city, right? The, uh, the idea of, uh, again, right, uh, small acts of kindness that have great ramifications. Um, once there was a decree for a fast because of a plague in another area, uh, and the Gemara says the reason they, they fasted in another area was lest it come to their area, right? Again, if it's close or in the vicinity, we want to make sure that it goes away there and doesn't spread to our, uh, to our city. Um, there, there's a story about a blood letter who, again, in those days, that was common uh, medicinal uh, practice, uh, who would um, get regards from heaven every day. Uh, and the question is why, right? What was so special about this blood letter? Again, interestingly, uh, remember before we talked about, um, right, learning Torah versus um, going to work, and there uh, definitely the the I would say the the moral of the story was you should learn Torah and not go to work. Here, actually, we're saying look at these great people who go to work and do amazing things in their daily occupation. So, what would this blood letter do? Um, he would put men and women separately when he would let blood uh, again because you're exposing part of your body, uh, and he would do it in a very modest fashion, uh, and he would tell people that they could uh, pay as much as they could afford. Uh, and he was very um, honest and didn't jump to conclusions. Uh, and therefore, um, that was his merit. And uh, therefore, God would talk to him frequently. Um, Doc 22 tells us about Rava, who was disheartened that Abaye got these divine regards uh, frequently. And he didn't. Um, and again, uh, interestingly, the, the question is, who does God talk to, right? Is it uh, the greatest sage in the city? Is it the person who uh, does the simple things? And now we're going to get a story of Rav uh, Baruka Chazoa, Ch uh, Chaza, who met Eliyahu Hanavi in the market. Uh, and here, Eliyahu is always the, 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 the figure that is going to uh, enlighten us. Right, so he, Rav uh, Bruka asks him, who here is going to get uh, a, maybe a special portion in the next world? Uh, and Eliyahu says, I don't know, let's look. Uh, and they saw a man who wasn't wearing um, clothing that the Jews normally wear. Uh, and Eliyahu says, ah, that man, he's going to get a special portion in the next world. Um, the next day, he explains why, what, you know, so he come, he went up to him and he said, what, what do you do? Like, what's so special, right? So he says that he's actually a prison guard who protects women in jail, right? He makes sure that nothing happens to these women. Um, 
and he's dressed like a non-Jew so that he can spy on what the non-Jews are saying and report back to the rabbi. So again, he's not a great scholar. Uh, he doesn't spend his time learning all day, but he uses his, his position to help others. Um, the next is two other people uh, that get a portion in the next world, uh, and they were jesters or comedians. Uh, and he asks, why do they get a special portion? Uh, one is because they cheer up people who are sad. Uh, the other is that they try to reconcile uh, two people that are fighting. So again, this, this idea of um, bringing shalom, bringing peace amongst other people. Um, Okay, uh, we said that if there are wild animals coming, you can uh, you cry out to God or maybe fast. Uh, the Gemara says that this is only if it's clearly abnormal, right? So if uh, if these animals are seen in the city as opposed to in the wild, obviously they're wild animals in the wild. Um, or if uh, they, this wild animal chases multiple people, um, that seems to be uh, abnormal behavior, and then you cry out. Um, okay, uh, if non-Jews want to pass through Israel, you should still go out and pray, even though they're not uh, waging war against the Jews. But uh, we see, especially uh, in Tanakh with King Yoshiahu, who um, Paro Nacho, right, the Egyptian leader, wanted to uh, go through Israel, and Yoshiahu basically tried to stop him and thought that it was going to be okay, but uh, he actually killed him, uh, and um, he meets a very terrible death. Um, okay, um, here the Gemara continues and talks about fasting because of terrible things that are happening, um, and uh, also, the Gemara tells us you do not cry out or, or pray uh, if there's too much rain. Uh, again, I told you we were, go remember, Choni Hamagel didn't want to tell God to stop the rain uh, because the Gemara explains uh, we, don't, we don't stop bracha, right? We, a blessing, right? Rain is a blessing. We want as much as possible, and therefore uh, you don't stop it. Uh, and again, another famous song, um, the, the, the words from the Tanakh is, V'harikotim lachem bracha ad bli dai, right? God is going to uh, shower down blessing onto us till you're going to want to say enough, 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 right? But, uh, but we shouldn't say enough. Uh, is the moral of that story. Uh, and at the bottom of Daf 22, right, the Gemara tells us that God gives the right amount of rain at the right time in the right place. Uh, okay, uh, Daf 23 uh, tells us that um, uh, uh, miraculous events, again, once it rained and all the produce, produce grew very large or it rained at a certain time, which was... Uh, um, exactly when, uh, exactly when they needed it. Uh, and again, here on Daf 23, uh, we have more details about Choni Hamagel. So here's a picture of Choni drawing his circle. Um, and uh, it repeats the story that I mentioned before, uh, that uh, um, wh what happened, you know, how Choni saved the, the, at that time, uh, the, and it brought the rain. Um, but interestingly enough, um, the Gemara tells us about the end of his life. Uh, and it says that Choni was actually uh, bothered by a pasuk that we say all the time, right? Shir hamalot b'shuv Hashem et shivat Zion hayinu kecholmim. And he says, right, what does that mean? Shir uh, hamalot, right, that God returned us to Zion uh, and we were like dreamers. Again, a famous book called Like Dreamers. I uh, definitely... Uh, uh, recommend the book talking about uh, Aliyah and Zionism, um, but that's not the point of here. Uh, but it says, Choni was bothered. How could you say 70 years went by like a dream? Uh, be careful what you ask. Uh, and basically, um, what happens 
he, uh, Choni was walking down the street and he once saw a man who was planting a carob tree. Uh, and uh, he said, right, why are you planting a carob tree? What's, what's so unique about a carob tree? It actually takes 70 years to bear fruit. So Choni said, why would you uh, plant a carob tree? You're not going to see the fruit, literally, of your labor, right? You're not going to see the carob grow. So why would you plant it? Uh, and the man says, I'm not planting it for me. I'm planting it for my children, right? I came into this world and there are trees here uh, that I'm benefiting from. So I'm going to leave this world uh, planting trees so that others can benefit from it. Uh, and uh, it seems that Choni um, falls asleep and ends up sleeping for 70 years. Uh, it's, the Gemara describes that like the, the stone kind of uh, blocks him uh, so that nobody sees him. And he basically disappears for 70 years. Uh, he wakes up and he sees a man picking carob from the tree that he saw right a few minutes ago. Uh, but it seems that he's only right. He was sleeping. So he says, wait a minute, what's going on here? And he says, oh, I'm the grandson of the guy you saw. And Choni realizes that he fell asleep. Uh, and then uh, he goes to his house. And uh, obviously he is not there and only his grandson is there. Um, and nobody obviously believes him that he's Choni. Um, and he goes to the Beit Midrash and he says, right, I'm Choni, I'm Choni. And they're like, I don't know what you're talking about, right? There's no such thing. Um, and he basically prays for mercy and he prays to die. Uh, and very famously, he says the line, O Chavruta, O Mituta, right? Meaning, uh, if I can't have a Chavruta, meaning if I have no one to study with because nobody believes who I am, then I'd rather die, right? And here, again, uh, I think there are, there are a lot of... Uh, um, messages to the story, but one of them is right the importance of being recognized for who you are, the importance of being uh, accepted in the community, and if not, you feel like um, you're lacking. You feel like you'd rather be dead. Again, uh, here is a very extreme uh, case, but uh, okay. Next, um, Abba Chilkia. Uh, was the grandson of Choni, since we're talking about Choni. And remember, Choni had power to bring rain. So does his grandson. Uh, he prayed for rain for the for for to rain. Um, and uh, once he didn't greet the people when they needed him, right? He was working in the field and he didn't greet them. And um, uh, the Gemara goes through all these strange things that um, Abba Chilkia does. Um, he collects wood and he puts it on one shoulder and he puts his cloak on the other shoulder. He doesn't wear shoes when he's walking home, except for when he crosses the river, right? He picks up his clothing when he's walking by thorns. His wife greets him with makeup. She goes into the house first and then him and he doesn't invite the rabbis in. And then he gives double food to his young son. Uh, and then his wife, he and his wife go up to the roof to pray for rain. Uh, and the Gemara says that um, he, basically that he's going to explain wh why he does all these weird things, but he doesn't let them ask for rain. He goes, but he knows why they're there. So he goes up to his roof, interestingly, with his wife, uh, and they both pray for rain. Um, interestingly here, uh, the rain clouds form over the wife, not over him, right, over the wife. It seems that she's greater. Um, and then he goes down and he says to the rabbis, like, oh, and it starts to rain. Uh, and then he says to the rabbis, oh, uh, why are you here? Uh, and the rabbis say, well, we wanted you to pray for rain. And he says, oh, I guess you don't need me because it's raining already, right? Again, he didn't want to seem like, uh, he didn't want them to need him, um, and he wanted to do it on his own. Uh, and they basically ask him to explain why he does all these things. Uh, and he basically says, I didn't say hello because I was working and uh, I was I was being paid per hour. And I didn't want to take out any of the time that I was being paid for to talk to you. And therefore, I was focusing. Um, I didn't want my cloak to get, uh, I only owned one, I only own one cloak. He, it seems he was very, very poor. So he didn't want it to 
get ruined. He didn't want his shoes to get ruined. He didn't want his clothing to get ruined. That's why when he walked through the thorns, he picked up his clothing because he said, my skin can heal, but my clothing is very hard to mend. Um, he didn't uh, invite them in again because uh, he didn't have enough food for them. And he gave the youngest food because he needed more food. Um, and why did the clouds come to his wife and not him? Uh, the Gemara says because his wife gave food or charity more often than he did, uh, and therefore she was answered first. Um, okay, uh, next, um, uh, another story, another grandson of uh, Choni was also asked to pray for rain, and he was answered, and the Gemara says he was answered um, because he was so modest. Right, and that's going to be the theme for a lot of these stories. What brings the rain? Uh, that the, if the person who is praying is humble or modest, then God will make it rain. Um, the 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 Gemara talks about um, Rabbi Yitzchak when he prayed. Uh, he would uh, he would be answered right away, uh, and the question was why. Uh, and it says because um, because he. Um, Sorry, one second. Ah, um, he would, okay. So um, Rabbi Yitzchak was answered right away. Um, and it seems, it, it gives all these different scenarios when people asked him to pray. Uh, he prayed for someone to be rich. He prayed for someone to be poor, to be beautiful or ugly. Like it goes back and forth, but he seems to have this special power. Um, Daf 24 um, talks about uh, Rabbi. Okay, um, here we're going to have um, uh, two very difficult stories, right? Till now, we've had very positive stories. Um, here we're going to have two difficult stories, and I think uh, they're here on purpose um, to basically say what you're not supposed to do. Um, so the Gemara tells us that Rabbi Yossi Bar Avin left. His teacher, right? His teacher was Rabbi Yossi from Yukras. And we're going to see that Rabbi Yossi ben Yukras uh, was a, a troubling uh, person. And even though he was a teacher, uh, Rabbi Yossi bar Avin felt he was not a good influence on his life. And he left him and he went to go learn with Rav Ashi. Uh, and the Gemara tells us what did this bad teacher, what did. What did this man do? Why was he a negative influence? Uh, and it says that basically he didn't have pity on his son and daughter. Uh, his son, the story is that his son used, um, uh, prayed for a miracle to happen. And the father was so upset that he used his powers uh, and, you, and took advantage of uh, the fact that God answers him and the father curses him and says, uh, you should die young, right, to his own son. Um, for the daughter, uh, it seems that she was very beautiful and the father catches a man who made a hole in the fence so that he can look at his daughter. Uh, and basically, um, the, the man says, look, I can't marry your daughter. Let me at least look at her. Uh, and instead of rebuking the man, uh, Rabbi Yossi from Yukras actually rebukes the daughter and says, um, you know, it's so terrible that you're so beautiful. Basically, he curses her that she should die. Um, unfortunately, uh, people use this story as uh, a rebuke in some way of, you see, women need to be more modest or women need to make sure that men don't look at them. Uh, that is not the point of the story. Um, I think the point of the story is um, this was not a good behavior. It was so bad that the student left the teacher. Uh, so again, I think that, um, and I really think it's here to, to show um, uh, the contrast between uh, great people, righteous people who good things happen for them uh, and people who, uh, I don't want to say use their power for bad, but um, uh, don't know what is good and what is not good. And this is bad. Uh, so again, I think that these stories are here to teach us what is not good to do. They should not be taken out of context uh, and saying, oh, this is what a rabbi does and it's a good thing. So uh, 
that was my little rant, but uh, important, I think. I, I think it's important because um, sometimes people misquote these stories uh, as proofs uh, for a certain behavior. That is not the point, right? This, this is bad behavior. Okay, next. Um, Elazar from Birta was actually good, but maybe a little bit too extremes. Uh, he would actually, when he saw people collecting charity, he would give away all his possessions. Uh, we know the Gemara, not in this Masachet, but in, in previous Masachet uh, or, or later Masachet will tell us, you're actually not allowed to give away all your possessions, right? There's a limit. Meaning if you give away all your possessions and you end up being so poor that you need to rely on charity, that's not the point, right? Uh, so you, there's a limit to how much you're supposed to give. He obviously did not know this, uh, and he wanted to give everything, so much so that the, the, the charity collectors would run away from him because they didn't want him, him to give away all of his, uh, all of his uh, um, possessions. And one day he was going to buy a, a wedding dress for his daughter who was getting married. In the end, he ends up giving away all his money uh, to charity. Um, he gets, uh, he saves himself like literally like a dollar uh, and buys, right, a zoos and he buys a little wheat with it. It turns out that when they go to see what he brought, uh, there's a whole silo filled uh, with wheat. Uh, you would think that he would be so happy. Oh my gosh, look at this miracle. Uh, he actually says, wait a minute, we don't rely on miracles. Let's give all of this wheat to charity. Uh, and he says, right, we don't, we don't rely on these miracles. Uh, from here, um, there are a lot of stories about humility bringing rain uh, and the opposite, meaning uh, the story of um, the, a decree for a fast day uh, and they pray and rain doesn't come. Um, but then uh, when they, they check themselves and are humbled, uh, then the rain comes. And there, there are a lot of these stories uh, of people who uh, think that they're so great, um, but, really, uh, but really they are not as great as they seem, uh, and they're kind of taken down a peg, and then it starts to rain. Uh, so as soon as they are humbled, uh, then uh, it starts to rain. Um, and um, uh, another story, um, hold on one second. Uh, Okay, um, the, the bottom of Daf uh, 24 um, talks about um, Rabbi Hanina ben Dosa. Uh, Rabbi Hanina ben Dosa, uh, we're going to see, was very poor uh, and very pious. Uh, we're going to have a lot of stories about him. So uh, he, it basically says that uh, it was actually raining once and he was on the road and he complained that, you know, he was getting wet because we don't like when we're walking down the street and it's raining. Uh, so he complains, uh, you know, I'm kind of getting wet. God, can you make it stop raining? Uh, so God made it stop raining, which is fascinating because we just spent an entire Masechet, like literally 23 pages, talking about how much rain is so important and he's getting wet and he's like, can you stop making it stop? Can you stop making it rain? Right? This is not a good thing, but he does. Uh, and God makes it stop raining. And then when he gets home, he's like, oh, God, you can make it rain again. And God listens and makes it rain. Uh, it seems that his uh, prayer was stronger than the Kohen Gadol, right, the high priest, because the high priest would pray, right, God, don't listen to all those travelers who complain when they're on the road, right, that they're getting wet. Don't listen to them because we need the rain. Uh, so it seems that uh, God listened to Rabbi Hanina Bendosa more than the high priest. Uh, Daf 25, uh, a divine voice comes out of the heavens and says that the whole world is getting sustenance because of the merits of Rabbi Hanina Bendosa. That's how um, pious and righteous he was. Um, another story that he was so poor that his wife would basically burn an empty stove so that the neighbors wouldn't know uh, that they had no food, right? She was very embarrassed. Uh, and once uh, a neighbor would come in to see uh, what was in the house and um, and actually uh, a miracle occurred, right? She was so embarrassed, she didn't want her to see that there was an empty oven. Uh, when the neighbor opened up the oven, it was full of food, right? So again, miraculous, thing, miraculous things happen to righteous people. Uh, another uh, story of 
um, once his daughter accidentally lit vinegar instead of oil, I guess there was no oil or she made a mistake uh, and she starts crying, oh no, uh, my Shabbos candles aren't going to light. And Rabbi Hanina Bendoza said, wait a minute, if God makes oil burn, God can make vinegar burn. So don't worry. Uh, and basically uh, the vinegar burns. Uh, I don't think vinegar uh, is flammable. But I guess you can try, but I think it's not flammable. But here, God makes it uh, burn, and it actually lasts uh, the whole Shabbat. Um, and then, uh, again, uh, uh, other miraculous stories that happened to Hanina ben Dosa. Um, the next person we're going to talk about is Rabbi Elazar ben Pedat, also was very, very poor, uh, and he has this dream. And in the dream, uh, when they saw him, he was laughing, he was crying, and then there was like a light on his forehead. And basically, uh, God promises him, you know, you're suffering in this world, but don't worry, in the next world, uh, you are going to have, you know, a great time, right? There's there's a lot reserved for you. Uh, the the Doc 25 uh, has more stories about fast, that were decreed for rain and it doesn't rain. And again, uh, something has to change. And then finally it does rain. Um, and uh, here I, I, I needed to mention because uh, one of my favorite psukim, right? The, the Gemara tells us at the bottom of Daf 25, Sadiq Katamar Yifrach Ke'erez Balvanon Iske, right? That uh, a righteous person should be like a date palm. Oh no, I, well, I know why, but right, like a date palm, like a tamar, uh, and uh, it should right, it should grow like a, a date palm, and it, it, the the righteous person should also be like a cedar. Remember, uh, almost an hour ago, we talked about how it's better to be a reed than a cedar. Here, actually, uh, the 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 pasuk, the verse says. Uh, a righteous person should be like a, a date palm and a cedar. Why? Um, and basically, the Gemara wants to say you need to be both, right? There, there are qualities in each, right? The quality of the tamar is um, that it bears fruit, uh, but if you cut it down, it doesn't grow back. Uh, so we don't like that. Um, but the cedar... Uh, if you cut it down, it does grow back, but it doesn't bear fruit. And basically, what's the verse telling us? We want a, a righteous person to be both, right? To regenerate if it gets cut down uh, and to bear fruit. Uh, and that is um, the meaning of that verse. Um, and again, as I said, uh, when people are humble uh, and they pray, it brings rain. Um, and uh, the Gemara here at the bottom of 25 tells us uh, how much rain do we need? Uh, it needs to be a certain depth into the ground and then you can stop fasting, right? It means that uh, your, your, your fast, uh, your, your prayers have been answered. Um, a beautiful idea here at the, the bottom of 25, remember in Masachat Sukkah, we learned about the ritual of Nisu Hamayim, uh, the water libations on the altar in the temple, in the Beit HaMikdash. Um, remember how we said it was a, a, a sign or a prayer for rain. Uh, and the question is, how is that a prayer for rain? You're pouring water down into the ground, right? Maybe you should have like thrown it up. Uh, and the Gemara basically says, um, when you pour the water down to the the lower waters, right, the waters that are underneath the 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 ground, right, the aquifers, it says that the lower waters call up to the upper waters. Again, remember we talked about upper water being the water that's in the heavens that that's going to bring down rain. So the lower waters call up to the upper waters to say rain down, and vice versa, right? The rain, the upper waters call down to the earth, right, to bring up more water, right, in the springs. So there's like almost like a, a conversation between this water. Uh, oh, and I was just thinking, uh, right, it takes us back to the creation of the world, right? In the beginning of, of creation, uh, there's, there's chaos, right? All the water is mixed up. And on day two, God separates the upper water from the lower water. Uh, maybe here the Gemara is telling us there's, they're separated, but they're in conversation, uh, and specifically on Sukkot. So that's like a, a nice idea. Um, I just made that up, so I don't know if that's real, but uh, I think it sounds a little, sounds nice. Um, 
Okay, uh, the last thing is that uh, the Gemara says that if it starts to rain before sunrise on the day that you're fasting, uh, or, uh, and then it's, it, sorry, if you're fasting and then it starts to rain before sunrise, or it starts raining before noon, or it starts raining before the ninth hour of the day, you can stop fasting. Uh, if it only starts to rain later on, no. But if it rains earlier, you can stop fasting. You don't have to complete your fast. Uh, and the last thing of this chapter at the top of Daf 26 uh, is that you only say Hallel on a full stomach. There's stories about like, do you, like if it rains, you want to say Hallel, do you go home and eat and then you say Hallel or do you say Hallel first? Uh, and the Gemara concludes that uh, it's better that you should eat and then say Hallel. And with that, we actually learned the entire third chapter. Uh, so Kola Kavod, everyone. Um, Next, wow, I can't believe I did that in an hour. Uh, thank you very much for your patience. And um, next week, we are going to finish Masachet Ta'anit. Um, please be uh, aware, uh, check your email because we are going to learn on a different day. I think we're going to learn on Sunday next week uh, so that we finish the, the, the Masachet together and then we'll go back to our regular Tuesday the week after. Uh, so thank you very much. Uh, wishing everybody a Shavua Tov and a Shabbat Shalom and a rainy winter. And uh, thank you very much, everyone.